There's a myth I hear quite often, and it's in order to make an impact or change the world, you need to move to the public sector, run for office, start a nonprofit, volunteer, all those types of things, which are all well and good. But I think if this podcast has done its job, hopefully that myth has been busted. You don't have to be in the public sector or start some NGO or charity to make an impact. You can make a huge impact with business. You can be in the corporate world and lead the way when it comes to social responsibility. My guest today is doing just that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Kate Hayes, director at Echoing Green. Kate oversees programming for a dynamic group of emerging business leaders who are dedicated to realizing their full potential as agents of social change. Prior to joining Echoing Green, she worked as the Director of Evaluation and Program Impact in the National Office of Minds Matter, where she developed new systems and methods for evaluating organizational success. This was an incredibly rich conversation that I think will really get those in the corporate and nonprofit world thinking a little bit differently when it comes to social responsibility. We talk about a little bit of everything, so I know you're going to love this conversation. So without further ado, on to my chat with Kate. Hey, Kate. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome and thanks for being with us. Molly, thank you so much for having me. It is a beautiful day and you and I have been in contact for like literally over a year. Um, It's so funny. I was like, as I was preparing for the show today, I went back through my emails and I was like, oh my gosh, we literally have been emailing for over a year. So with just life and all those things, sometimes it just takes a while, but that's okay. And I always find that when, by the time we actually do talk, it's like, well, this is when we were supposed to chat. So <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely. I know. Well, Kate, I just want to have you introduce yourself to our guests and give or our guests, our listeners and uh, give us the Kate 101. So who are you and what do you do? And all of those things. Give us the Kate 101. Yes, absolutely. It's funny when you ask that question, I often tend to go back really far since that's the way we do it in my work, which will make more sense as I tell you my story and my 101. So um, I, I work at Echoing Green, which is a global seed funder for social entrepreneurs where we find, fund, and support early stage global leaders who are proximate to the issues that they're solving and have incredible ideas to change the world. Um, but zooming back from that and and where the 101 really starts is what brought me to this work. I had, if I go back to college, uh, which is quite a while ago at this point, I studied neuroscience and was really interested in understanding how change happens. And so I started going beyond looking at medicine, which I thought was going to be my career path, and stumbled across a mobile healthcare clinic working in Boston and came to learn that that organization had been started by an Echoing Green fellow. And so my Echoing Green story starts, starts that long ago, and the organization 
really changed my trajectory from going into medicine to going into the nonprofit field and seeing if I liked it and seeing uh, what what my place in that sector might be. And over the years, I really dug deep into both understanding nonprofits, but also understanding the role that the private sector has to play in supporting and partnering with and working with, with nonprofit organizations. And with that, it brought me to about five years ago when I joined the Echoing Green team. And my first role was to really build a program that would connect business leaders with their purpose, with understanding their mission, with seeing how they could show up for the social change ecosystem. And built that program over the past few years. And that's led me now into a role that I've been in for just a year now, which is as our director of ecosystem. And that's a fun title, I think, um, and, and really means that I get to think intentionally about how to connect everybody within our ecosystem of our social entrepreneurs, of our business leaders, of the communities that we work in all across the globe. Um, and I'm here based in New York City. And that's 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 what I do and, and a bit about what brought me to this work. Now, for people that maybe are not, and I know you kind of briefly shared what Echoing Green does, but if somebody listening is like, I'm still not sure that I understand what Echoing Green does, yes. how can you break down a little bit more what exactly they are doing kind of on a daily basis, like in a practical sense? Sure. So the I'll start first with the name, which can be a little bit misleading, um, but we're actually named after a poem uh, by William Blake, which is about making the world a better place. And so the crux of everything that we do is our fellowship program. And so with that, each year we select about 30 or so organizations who are at a very early stage. Um, so they're leaders that have started either nonprofits, for-profits, social enterprises or hybrid organizations that are working to solve a social problem, whether it's working on farming in Kenya or healthcare in India or education in Cleveland. Um, it can be really any issue. We're agnostic to the issues that we focus on since we want to find the leaders that tell us what we should be thinking about as a funder. And from there, so we provide a few things. We provide seed funding uh, to those early stage leaders. We say it's enough to be able to quit their day job and work on their organization full time, but not enough to stop funding fundraising and and uh, we were then able to support them through our portfolio manager structure where we work with them as leaders as individuals developing business acumen on how to create things that are going to help their organization thrive so how do you create your first business model how do you think about what a theory of change or the way that you're solving the social problem is how do you stay connected with your purpose um, and what with what you're doing in the world. So that on a very tactical day-to-day -day basis is what we're focused on most is providing that coaching, advising, and support to those leaders. And then the third piece is the community that we develop. And we often hear that this is the most powerful thing about the fellowship, um, that the money's great, the, the support, the technical expertise is helpful, but 
the fact that we're able to connect these social entrepreneurs with each other. Um, and again, it's such a global community, but they're going through similar phases of organizational development and of building a social enterprise or nonprofit that the support that they're able to give to each other as they go throughout that journey of the first few years and then beyond um, is, is probably the most powerful part. So that's the core of what Echoing Green does. And then zooming out just a little bit, the rest of our work is really thinking about how to support those social entrepreneurs or our fellows. So we do deeper work around impact funding or thinking about how we can get all those organizations access to capital, whether it's philanthropic or um, investment capital, um, if they're for-profit organizations. We work to connect them with board members, which are some of the business leaders that I've worked most closely with over the past couple of years. And we just work to connect them with broader ecosystems. I know that's a buzzword that I say a lot, but communities of supporters who care about the issues that they're working on. Um, because at the end of the day, while we're centered around these social entrepreneurs, we do really believe that everybody has a role to play in moving the needle on some of these deeply entrenched social justice issues. And so we see a big part of our role is connecting as many people to this work as we can. That is incredible. And I love just some of the ways that you guys are really identifying the various areas in which there might be gaps or holes and really working to kind of fill that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned kind of at the beginning is is you kind of talked about like a lot of businesses, especially in the corporate world and a lot of um you know, so so often there's this misconception that like if you want to change the world, you need to start a nonprofit, you need to, you know, move overseas, you know, you need to do all these things that, you know, start a social entrepreneur um, or start it like a social cause business or something like that. Um, but there are so many ways that corporate businesses and corporate like large corporations and large businesses or just even small businesses can get involved in this. And you kind of you talked about like how a lot of businesses are really looking to like pursue their purpose. They're really trying to like make change. And and we throw around these terms. I mean, I don't know exactly throw around, but like we hear these terms frequently. And one of the most common questions I get from people is, "Okay, but what does this look like practically?" As a business owner, as you know, as somebody who works in the corporate world or whatever it is, what are some practical tips that I, you know, like what's in my control that I can do to actually begin to quote, like pursue my purpose or like pursue a larger purpose or enact, um, you know, positive change? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, I think you're totally right in that it is thrown around a lot and it can seem so big. And what I'll first say is when we think about how to engage businesses and corporations, at the end of the day and at the start of the day, they're comprised of people. And exactly like you said, um, there's so many people who, regardless of career path, still care a lot about making the world a better place. And the question, like you alluded to, becomes, well, where do I get started? And so within the echoing green world, um, we say just raise your hand and we will find you. Um, practically, our our program, and then I'll go a little bit broader, called Direct Impact, 
works with both individuals and with corporations who connect individuals from their company with this program through a very intensive leadership development cohort experience where we're taking in each cohort, which we run multiple per year, 10 or 12 individuals from across the private sector, across companies through this two month journey where they're still working full time uh, because that's gonna be the reality for, for them on an ongoing basis. But they're coming together for a few key touch points um, through two retreats where we're working with them on things like leadership development and discovering what your purpose is. And it's not something that can be found, but um, identifying the things that are most important to you, thinking about what your vision for the world looks like and what role you want to play in it. Uh, we also focus on governance since many of the folks that graduate that program go on to become board members. We focus on fundraising and philanthropy and then on translating a private sector skill set to support the social sector and understanding nonprofits, social entrepreneurship. Um, so those retreats happen throughout the two months at the start and finish. And then they go on an immersive site visit with one of our Echoing Green social entrepreneurs, either domestically or internationally, to spend a few days really seeing everything firsthand and understanding how that change is happening in on-the-ground settings. So that, I think, is on one end of the spectrum that for those that have the time and the bandwidth and capacity for that type of deep leadership experience, it can be an incredible journey and we often hear that it's pretty life-changing. And we're very focused on uh, working with people who want to stay in the private sector and support from, for lack of a better term, that side of things. Uh, we don't want everybody to turn around and say, oh, I need to start a nonprofit. It's really about helping them see how they can spend their time outside of work making the biggest difference. So that's that's on one end. But I think to make it more practical for probably a broader population, I think the first thing that anybody who wants to do something to do is to make that decision. Um, one of my mentors um, who I deeply admire will talk about that phrase, the um, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Um, and he'll go, that's actually not totally true. It starts with the decision to walk. And anytime I hear him say that, that's what brings it home to me, that the first thing is somebody needs to decide that they want to figure out what making a difference looks like to them. Um, and then I think it's as opposed to going out and trying to find that purpose, which seems so big and is so big, it's connecting with, well, what do I care most about? Um, and what am I good at? And where do those two things intersect? One of the modules that we use a lot at Echoing Green as we think about purpose is this notion of heart plus head equals hustle, or this equation. And all you have to do is sit there with a piece of paper in 15 minutes and in the heart section, write all of the things you care about, whether it's animals or civil rights or um, family or anything. And then in the, the head category, things that you're good at, Excel spreadsheets, being a good listener. It can be very technical or very uh, much on the soft skills side of things. And then going through a process to think through where do those things intersect? And I always encourage people to be as creative as possible. So 
if in my heart um, I love animals and in my head bucket I'm a great photographer, I might say, you know what, I could go volunteer to take pictures of animals at my local animal shelter. Um, and the goal is to think about as many of those potential intersections or hustles that you can come up with and then start pursuing them and, and really taking it one action at a time. Um, so I think that that's the, the greatest place to get started. And I think the most important thing to remember with all of this is that I really believe that work is more than what we get paid for. So while I might work at a corporation and um, enjoy my job and that pays the bills and I'm able to support my family, my work doesn't stop at five. Uh, my work includes making efforts to change um, around the things that I care most about, whether it's volunteering once a month or joining a board or starting a nonprofit organization um, or more importantly, supporting existing nonprofit organizations that you really care about um, through either donating money or showing up as a volunteer infrequently or frequently, um, but just taking each step in that journey towards really embodying purpose as opposed to just finding it. That is, there are so many good nuggets there that I think will, so many people can take away with. Um, but I really loved your advice on just like identifying what is it that you're passionate about? Like, what is it that you're good at? And like, my husband is real good at spreadsheets. Okay. Like, <laughs> me, not so much. Um, but yeah, and it's so funny. I've had this conversation with people before. And like, I, I actually have a friend that like, she was like, I, you know, I really want to start volunteering. I just don't know where to start. And I was like, well, you're a really good photographer and you love dogs like literally go volunteer at the like Wake County SPCA and take pictures of adoptable dogs and so she started doing that and there's just so many many things like that that it, it doesn't have to be this massive undertaking it can just be a little by little progress um little by little steps that you put in place to begin to to make a change it yeah it just doesn't have to be a massive undertaking Exactly. I think that's so important for people to remember. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect and it can be just baby steps on the way. Um, and to the point, your husband's great at spreadsheets. I have a list of social entrepreneurs that could use that expertise um, <laughs> where they're not great at it. Um, and they need people who maybe don't have the experience working in the social justice issue that they that they're working on but if they can bring a spreadsheet expertise or um, accounting or marketing expertise that bringing those things together is what really actually moves the needle on helping these organizations thrive um, that those partnerships that can can be created Okay, I'm taking a quick moment to break from my conversation with Kate to thank our sponsor of the show who was able to help make it possible. And that is the Happiness Planner. They are one of my absolute favorite companies. They design the most beautiful, inspirational planners, journals, and notepads. 
I personally love the Happiness Planner. It helps keep me on track and find joys each and every day. They also have journals that focus on different themes such as confidence, gratitude, growth mindset, and purpose. These are great tools to help you become more self-aware, happier, and just feel a little bit more fulfilled. And for those of you who like to use apps, which I am one of those people, the Happiness Planner is also available as a mobile and web app. Now, how is it different from other calendar and to-do list apps out there? Well, on top of your schedule and to-do list, it comes with functions like monthly goal setting and reflections, meals and exercise recording, gratitude journaling, happiness, health and energy level trackers, and daily inspirational quotes and articles. You can check out their web app at thehappinessplanner.io or download the apps from the App Store or Google Play. Now, you can also go to their website for free printables at thehappinessplanner.com. But if you do want to make a purchase, you can use the coupon code LIVEWITHPURPOSE for 10% off. Now, back to my chat with Kate. So I want to shift gears just a little bit. And this isn't even something that you and I had talked about uh, talking about. Um, but I and I so I hope that this is OK. And I want to preface this, but I found or I guess it was actually in an article um, that you had shared with me that you had written. Um, and it was talking about diversity on nonprofit boards. Um, and I just, this is an issue that I am particularly very passionate about. Um, and I want to like go ahead and where I'm going to preface this conversation with, um, we are two white girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, um, so we are we are humbling ourselves in that we don't know everything, but we're learning and we're listening. But I also want to say that as two white women, it is important um, to begin to lift the burden off of our brothers and sisters of color um, that have been carrying that like this is something I have heard over and over again from my my friends who are of color who are just like it is time that like that white people actually stand up and take the burden off of the the backs of um, so many men and women of color who have been carrying it and trying to talk about these things, these issues for so long and they feel like nobody's listening. Um, so that's what I'm prefacing this with. But one of the, I just was really struck by this because um, I've served on the board for quite a few nonprofits um, and you know, I have been on boards where they are mostly white um, and I have been on boards where we're, we're like, you know, actively trying to make them more diverse. Um, and one of the, the stats that you shared in the article, um, and this was an article that on the Stanford Social Innovation Review, and a couple of the stats that you shared are that 25% of boards are entirely white people and 90% of board chairs are white and 89% of nonprofit CEOs are white. And so like a lot of times like the the boards and and the nonprofits are not representing the communities that they're working with. And this is an issue that I just see over and over again. Um, And I just I really liked this article. And so I just I I hope it's okay that we kind of dive into this a little bit because I think it's important to just share maybe what are some things that you have seen over the years and your work with Echoing Green and and just some of your your work kind of in in this sector um, to begin to make changes in this area and to increase the diversity um, in, in the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. I am so happy to talk about this. Yes. Um, I will talk about this all day, every day. I think it's so important. Um, 
And I'll first just share the quick story, which I realized I don't actually talk about very often, of what really, really got me fired up about board diversity issues. And it was when I was first starting at Echoing Green, and I was part of this group of people who were governance practitioners. Um, And I'll say I was part of a couple of them, and this was a similar theme, but I was in this one particular meeting, and I realized I was surrounded by a group of mostly middle-aged, well-intentioned white people, many men, who were the governance leaders leading the organizations, doing board trainings, doing board matchings. And we started talking about um, board diversity. And somebody in that group, an older white male, uh, there are many amazing ones out there, um, but this this gentleman said something about, you know what, we need to stop talking about board diversity. It's not important. And there was a couple of people that sort of agreed. And I almost lost my mind. I was the youngest person in the room by at least 20 years. Um, I knew also the stats about age on boards were very bleak too. And I said, this cannot be a conversation that's happening by the leaders who are the ones that are working to make boards more effective. And that was the moment where I just became deeply impassioned. I knew that this was a fight that I wanted to take on in whatever small way I could. Um, And that even as I knew that I would be uncomfortable sometimes um, kind of showing up as a white woman talking about this, to your point, uh, that I had to. Um, And so what I've seen is this is one of the questions that I work with boards on most often because I think that there is starting to be more of a buzz in the space. Um, And I think because of some of these stats and how bleak they are and how kind of hard they are to swallow and making people see the reality, especially since the needle hasn't been moving significantly in the past 20 plus years or so. Um, So what I've been seeing and what I've really advised boards and organizations to do first is, and this works well, is to define what diversity means for them. And it looks a little bit different for every board. I was talking with somebody who leads a board of an organization focused on senior citizen issues. And they said, you know, we don't need young people on our board because we're focused on senior citizen issues. And I said, well, how could you redefine what diversity for you looks like? Um, Does it include having people that could be your constituents' grandchildren or great-grandchildren? And she said, oh, you know, that makes sense. And so for them, their first starting point was looking at age diversity on their board, but more often thinking about racial diversity. Um, Also making boards come to a shared consensus about what again, what diversity means to them. And from there, that builds the buy-in that is what is so required. Because I think like purpose in a totally different way, it can seem like this very big, tough issue. How could I possibly figure out how to make a board more diverse? It seems hard and impossible and I don't know where to begin. Um, So it's zooming out step by step, starting with that definition and building buy-in through that process and then road mapping out what it's going to take. And it's, it's not always easy because it requires oftentimes a level of discomfort from the board itself uh, for some people realizing, you know what, I have to step away so that 
I can bring in new faces, new perspectives, new people to step in who can do my job just as well and probably even better than I can. That's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, so that's a piece. And then it also requires expanding beyond the network. I think one of the biggest challenges in the board space is that most boards are so reliant on who are my board members' friends that I can get on the board. And as we know, our friends tend to look like us, tend to be pretty similar to us in many ways, including racially. And so taking the steps to think about how can I create a robust, inclusive process where I get the word out to as broad of a community as I can beyond our immediate network so that people know that we're looking for board members, they have a sense of the type of board members that we're looking for and can raise their hand and say, you know what, that might be for me. Um, and then I think there's also an element of reducing misconceptions or getting rid of any misconceptions um, that you need the older white CEO to join your board because they're going to bring in the most dollars. And that's actually not the whole truth. They might bring in a lot of money, but I think donors are starting to question um, boards that are entirely white, or some donors are, I should say, um, are almost entirely white. And that actually can bring less funding. Um, so as funders become more open and looking for boards that are diverse. I think there could be major fundraising implications for boards that don't take diversity seriously and don't really invest in developing those processes and building those networks that can help um, expand beyond that, that immediate comfort zone of who you know um, and joining your board. And then the final piece that I'll say um, on that process is it's one thing to create a diverse board and get the right people in the room. From there, it's really, really important to not lose sight of how to create both an inclusive and an equitable board. And that requires rethinking um, processes, um, finding great facilitators. This is important in general. I think many who have been in a boardroom know that there can be one or two people that take over the microphone and are the loudest, uh, but by building in structures to create better and stronger group dynamics where everybody has a voice, everybody's heard, um, everybody has the chance to engage in healthy debate, that investment in the human process and the human elements of helping your board thrive as a board is a very important part, just as important as getting the right and most diverse people in the room. Oh, yes. So, so good. And um, and even and like even a little bit more to that end, like being really intentional about building trust with people and creating an opportunity where you're not just like like, let's be honest, like we just don't want to bring anybody on. We don't want to create a situation where there's tokenism or anything mm -hmm. like that. And you're just inviting somebody on to check a diversity box. It's about being intentional in every single thing that you're doing. Um, and it's hard. It's work. Um, and But it's important work. And we need to be having these conversations um, with uh, with all 
people um, and and having honest, open, humble conversations and admitting like these there here are the areas in which we have screwed up or here are the areas in which we have not done this well. And here is how we want to be intentional in moving forward. Um, but I think that just that is for a lot of people, that's a really difficult thing to like admit, hey, I've screwed up before. <laughs> like I've mm-hmm. messed up and I've not done well in this area. And here's how I want to improve. Um but yes, and it just it, it, it like I really liked your point about um, how it really does affect a lot of times how that that organization is seen in the community and it can affect affect donor funding and all those kinds of things. Um, so yes, this is uh, this is such an important thing to discuss regularly and we should be having these conversations and I I'm glad that you got fired up at that meeting and you were like I'm gonna take this on um but yeah building trust in those relationships on the board off the board in your life it is so important and I cannot emphasize it enough Absolutely. And I, it's, I think it's made harder because a board in particular is, is a team, but they're a team that's coming together for six, maybe a few more times a year. And they probably don't know each other all that well. So to your point, building that foundation of trust first is so critical. Investing in things like board retreats where you step outside the boardroom and allow people to get to know one another as individuals. I always advise and and do this when I'm leading board meetings is starting with a personal check-in just to see what's going on with people. And there's actually data now that says building social connections amongst board members makes better boards, which is awesome to see because I've been saying it for a long time and now it's backed up. Um, But building that trust, allowing for that humility to come forward, allowing for people to make mistakes and work together to get better and be really open and know that they're all, hopefully all, and if they're not, then they should rethink the board, but they're all working towards the same end goal. And that's to achieve the mission of that organization. And that's never going to be easy. Nothing about being a board member should be easy Mm -hmm. if you're doing it right. But at the same time, it can be the most rewarding and impactful and important things that somebody can do. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that you mentioned in the article, and I will make sure to to link this article in the show notes for the listeners. Um, but one of the things that you, you mentioned is just getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, mm-hmm. let's just... Let's just say, you know what? We're going to be uncomfortable. This is going to not feel great. And that's okay. Like, that is yep. okay. Because, <laughs> like, I always like I always kind of equate it to what my trainer says when I'm at the gym. And, like, <laughs> when I'm at boot camp and our trainer is, like, yelling at us. I mean, she doesn't yell at us. But she's like, your, your body is not going to change until you get uncomfortable. Um, like, until you're pushing your muscles to exhaustion. Until you're, like, really you know, increasing your weight and all that kind of stuff. Like that's where physically you're making changes to your body. And that is such a good like analogy for pretty much any other area of life where we want to make change. Like we have to get uncomfortable. It's the only way that it's going to work. Yeah. I love that analogy. It's so true. It's the only way. And there's so much power in making the implicit explicit and naming those things and, and saying we're going to get uncomfortable or this is going to be awkward or whatever it is saying it out loud, then 
puts people at ease with going into whatever that situation or conversation is going to be. Yep. Yes. Oh, girl, we could do a whole podcast on this. Oh, I know. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, Well, Kate, uh, this has been so much fun. Um, But now is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit to just ask a couple fun get to know you questions. And as my listeners know, this is also the portion of the show where my um, amazing and talented executive producer husband inserts a sound effect or movie clip to transition us to said get to know you round. So, Kate, are you ready for the Get to Know You round? I am. Okay, thanks for filling these out, and I promise this will be quick. At Diversity Today, our philosophy is about honesty and positive expectations. We believe that 99% of the problems in the workplace arise simply out of ignorance. You know what? This is a color-free zone here. Stanley, I don't look at you as another race. Uh... (laughs) See, that, this is what I'm talking about. We don't have to pretend that we're colorblind. Exactly. That's fighting ignorance with more, with more ignorance. No, with more ignorance. ignorance. Right, exactly. Uh, instead, we need to celebrate our diversity. Let's okay? celebrate. Right. Okay. Celebrate good times. Come on! Let's well, celebrate diversity, right? Question number one. What would you do differently if you knew that no one was judging you? Oh, that's a good question. I I don't think I would do anything differently. Oh, yeah, I think girl, that, confidence. I like it. <laughs> I try to own anything that I do and practice what I preach and kind of leaning into my own discomforts and pushing myself uh, beyond my comfort zone. So I, I try not to spend really any time worrying about uh, the judgments that other people make of me. Good. I like it. That's awesome. You go, girl. I know exactly Um, all right number two what is something that I would never guess about you I was a competitive horseback rider growing up oh competed both in English style and western and barrel racing was my favorite sport I like it that's awesome Barrel racing. That's intense. Yep. I mean, I was not any pro. And when I watch them, it's unbelievable, but more for, for fun and, and for teenage sport. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, what books are you reading right now? Or do you have a favorite book you've just finished? Or if you're not a reader, like, is there a show you're watching? I am a huge reader, um, a very avid reader. Um, though I'm also entering motherhood. So most of my books have been focused on that. And the one that comes to mind for any moms or moms to be out there is nurture. And it's such a sort of holistic approach to thinking about pregnancy and and child rearing um, that that's been the the one that comes to mind. Another one that I can't recommend enough that I've just read for a second time is Winners Take All, Mm -hmm. uh, which falls more within this space of philanthropy and um, what needs to change and what's happening, um, which is also an incredible and an incredibly important read. Awesome. Well, I have not heard of either of those. And so I'm definitely going to look those up. Um, Okay. Would you rather be considered extremely lazy but have tons of friends or be considered extremely successful, but only have one friend? Oh, I would say 
extremely successful with one friend. Oh. I, yeah, I, I would hate, I hate to have to choose, uh, <laughs> but I think so much of me is so not a lazy person. Um, and while I love to have a lot of friends, I do believe that the quality um, of having one really close friend um, and being able to feel successful would, would win out for me on that one. I like it. I like it. No, that's good. That's a good approach. Um, and then my last question is, what are you most grateful for today? I am grateful for getting to do the work that I do. It's when I get to step back and have conversations like this and reflect on what brought me to this work and uh, why it's important. It's hard. It's challenging. It's exhausting. Uh, but at the end of the day, if I can make small difference on the lives of some of these social entrepreneurs or business leaders. I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to do that for my, for my work. Awesome. Awesome. Kate, this has been such a fabulous conversation and I have just learned so much. And I know that there are a lot of people listening who are really going to be able to take so many of the nuggets that you gave and, and, and begin to make steps towards uh, implementing them in their own lives. And um, I hope if you are listening and you are a part of a nonprofit organization or you know somebody who is and, and you know, you are also passionate about the area of board diversity or anything like that, or just even diversity in the workplace. We could have a whole conversation about that. Oh, man, so many things. Um, these are issues, obviously, it is no secret that are near and dear to my heart. Um, so I am just really thankful, Kate, for you um, sharing uh, your perspective and all, everything that you've learned and um, for the work that you do. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Molly, so much for having me. This was a really fun, inspiring conversation for me, too. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or maybe something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another huge thank you to our sponsor, The Happiness Planner. Visit thehappinessplanner.com with code Live with Purpose for 10% off. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. When you click that subscribe button, it helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment just to leave a review? Hopefully it's five stars and it helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>